Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill, like John Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of belief. I'm your host, Honest Abe. Uh, we are broadcasting live from sunny South Florida for KMA episode number 436. As always, I'm with my trusty cohorts, the Italian scallion himself, Paul DeCacco, and none other than the goat. The man they know is the goat, Alex Tavella. I just realized something. What? He said your name right. No. That's not what I realized. Every oh. once in a while, he does. But what I just realized was... I say your name right all... Dude, I mentioned... Listen, when I first met him, I used to call him Tavella. All right? No, he used to call me Travella. Travella, Tavella, whatever. Yeah, you know, eh, tomato, tomato, Italian, but, Italian. It's like three but years that's not ago. what I noticed. Like three years ago, and he's still holding me against it. I Hold just it. noticed who wasn't here last night. DeCaco. What's the excuse? He's not in Florida. Are you in oh, Florida? No, I, I oh, am. You just suck it. Listen to me. If you haven't f- figured it out, like I've just given up on Paul as a human being, as a friend, <laughs> as a human being, as a coworker, as a, a contributor, even I just given up. I, just, so I have Paul an excuse like, if you want it. Yeah, I want it. I, I want well, it. Abe doesn't want it, but excuse. I want it. You know why I want it? Because it makes for good fodder. Abe the bad fodder. My wife. My wife actually worked last night, so I had to stay with the kids. And my parents were unavailable. I did want to come. My parents were unavailable to come down from Vero Beach to watch. Should have dropped them off at my house where my kids were being watched while Brandy and I, I were here. I didn't even think of that. No, because I didn't think even think of that. I, I don't want to put you out. Well, guess what? Well, great... I already got a sitter. What's out? You put me. Great news. Four, They're four all kids, still here. Kids, nobody knows. And they'll all be. Well, here are they going to be there? I was just going to ask. Yes, we have a yes. we have a thing tonight, but we'll be home early, so maybe What's I'll take a ride. What kind of thing? You're not you're not, get, you're not getting away with that. What kind of thing? We have plans. The family so, is going to Village Park and watching uh, the Billy Joel tribute band Turnstiles, who I happen to be a fan of. I've uh, seen, but so we're I, not going to be there late. I like Turns. Turnstiles is very good. I've seen Turnstiles the, in Delray. The singer has become kind of a friend of mine, and they're just they're really good, and the kids. For some strange reason, maybe because I forced them to listen to Billy Joel in the car, they actually like it. Like they stand up and dance in front of the stage. So like I, I gotta bring them at least for an hour. So it starts at seven thirty. I'll be I'll be home. They'll be in bed by nine. That that was such a Vincent Prestigiacomo moment for me. Dad, Billy Joel band, a singer became a friend of mine. I gotta take the kids. You know, I gotta shoot. We'll be on air in New York shooting the. I don't. I don't know him like well. I've just met him a couple times, and and we talk on Facebook. So we're. Ex- I'm excited to see them. It's a good band, man. They're it they're is. really good. You ever seen Turnstiles, Abe? No. Great Billy Joel tribute band. I'll give no. Paul a little credit there. No. 
They're in. They're all over South Florida, but they play the West Coast a lot too. I think they live there. But uh, mm. anyway, so that's that's what we're doing. And uh, let's get back to put the pressure on you guys. Uh, is the warehouse open yet, or what? Not yet. What balls on this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet, man. We're listen. We've we've moved it back a little bit. Um, do we even want to like say a kind of date? Don't tell the date. Dates are so like rough lately. We want to do it right, Paul. We want to do it right the first time. You know, I agree with Abe on this. We got to get it right. Get it right the next time. That's not the same thing. Alex usually fights me on my tactical decisions like this. No, we got to we got to do it right. There's a lot. There's a lot to make it work right, and if we don't get get it right the first time, it just starts a catastrophic problem. It'll take a great Billy Joel song. So. I agree. You should start it the right way because it's a massive undertaking. All right. Well, so you're in the same you're in the same spot as my builder. Every week that's now next. I saw that. Our our advent calendars are on a container that's supposed to be here in August. That includes our great smoke ashtrays, our new smoking our new smoking ashtrays, and our connoisseur club boxes. So are, with, are they with, sitting off the coast of California like all the other ships? No, we're we're smart and try to make sure everything comes to Miami, but you know, which is still a little problematic, but not as bad as California. Um but I mean this thing was supposed to be here August, man. And then next thing you know, the next day they gave us well, it's like gonna be October fourth. Now they turn on like seven to fourteen days. And we really thought we'd have enough time for our cigar our connoisseur club. So if this thing doesn't drop like Monday or Tuesday, which it probably won't. Um, this will be the first month connoisseur club to just go out in regular cigar the month club boxes. We don't have the boxes. Uh, oh, well, yeah. fun stuff. The wor- At least they still get the sticks. That's all. Yeah, it's now. not. Listen to me. No one's going to care more than probably us. We're we're right. going to you know bothers us more than anybody. But maybe Quinton. You know they all they, they probably got stacks of blue boxes in their houses anyway. You know right. But um, it's just going to bother us more than anything. But, you know somebody's going to take somebody's going to take their old box and put the cigars in that box. Just the, photo? To be the one guy that's like, hey, by the way, I got the box. I don't know right. about you suckers. Yeah, well, most people have probably a bunch of blue boxes lying around. In fact, we should start. We should. We should have started a recycling program. I was just going to say, I guarantee you, we could have gotten our people are so great in the connoisseur club, and they're so really dedicated. Started, we could have gotten enough boxes we, to we send. Should have started a recycling program. You know, send your box back, <laughs> or send you an extra stick. Right. Oh, that'd right. be that's a great deal. Yeah, I bet a bunch of guys would do it. Well. Next time. <laughs> if I had thought of that earlier, that's pretty genius. Mail us your box back, and your next kind of sewer club will send you an extra cigar. Yeah. It would have worked. Well worth the three or four bucks postage. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, totally. Didn't think of it. Well, we didn't really plan. It wasn't. We didn't find out till like three days ago that the stuff wasn't going to be here. Yeah. And they probably don't know either, in all honesty. That's that's the same with everything right now, with uh, stuff coming overseas. Well, we'll talk We'll talk to Sokka later about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we can't complain about shit being lost on Sokka. You should have seen the hissy fit he had in front of me. Oh, you yeah. think you got problems? I got pallets. I got containers. Oh, okay. I got Sorry. Sorry I brought it up. <laughs> there's, there's stuff on a ship somewhere, I guess AC units or parts of AC units for my house. Literally just, they're like, it's, it's on a boat. I'm like, oh, all right, good. Good to know. We don't know when it'll be here. This is what I saw on the news last week. Apparently, normally at any given time in the ports of California, there's about four to five cargo ships waiting to be unloaded. 
at the right. current moment, there's like 62. It's there's like just a parking lot in the ocean. You can look up a map. Yeah. Why don't we just round up all the homeless people and take them to the docks and let them start unloading the containers? Because the homeless people live pretty good in California. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much my way. As much as you know, crazy as that sounds, they, you know, <laughs> and in Florida. I used to say when I lived in New York, what are you doing here? It's zero degrees outside, and you're sitting on the streets of Manhattan. Go to Florida. It's beautiful down there. You got to get there, I guess, or get here. Anyway, well, all right. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I love I love when fans of ours and people on our social group <laughs> me right in the middle of KMA. Oh, is that what's going on? As, as if they don't know that you're on the air. I guess they don't. We know who the real fans are. They are here in the lounge currently watching at the bar. Shout out to you guys. Yeah, you know they were mad. They're like, you guys are going to be in there. Well, my computer is. I was, I was thinking about broadcasting from out there and sitting at the bar, but it would have been weird because I'd be talking and then they'd be watching and hearing on, hear. on a delay. It'd be on a delay. Yeah. We, we Wait, so are they there we like all day? We would have had to set up a setup like we used to do. Right. Like, amazing, like we did it to J.C. Newman, bring right. up the speaker and all that right. stuff. All day, bro. Everybody except you, man. So they, All day. they come in every morning. Since in every Wednesday. Morning. Is yeah. the fact of the matter, is is it really more relevant that Paul didn't show up? Or is it really more relevant that no one really noticed Paul didn't show up? <laughs> I did I tell Alex about, I was going to come by Wednesday. I didn't think about it once. And there was 50 people there last night. No one said, hey, where's Paul to me? Anybody ask for Paul to you? No, no, I, oh, yeah. I and that's right. You, not, did. you did. You did. You 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 uh, you bailed Wednesday. You actually were like, "Oh, great, yeah, I'm coming." Oh, oh, Abe's not there. Abe's got to go do something. I'm definitely coming, which is what he really said. And uh, you, <laughs> you still, you still well, didn't show. We were going to have our meeting, but then Abe had something to do. Paul, so I thought I was off for the night. I, and Paul, then, yeah, Paul's just a flake, man. I am a flake. flake. He's a you pure. are a flake. Paul is the poor epitome of a flake. Look up "flake" in a dictionary, and there's a picture of Paul DeGracco. I don't leave this house. It's it's horrific. I, yeah, I but, work but here you, all day. I you 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 say that you that's the, this is the just no. You comment no. Okay, I can't really. Well, hold on. Yeah, that's I'm coming. Night, okay, perfect. That night, my wife got home early from her work. You know, you're always doing. blaming your wife. I'm going to get her on the show one day. I'm not blaming you're, her. I'm just out, saying she's going to out your ass out. And we had an impromptu date night. She's probably Stephanie probably says to him a dozen times, "Will you get the f out of this house already? Go somewhere. <laughs> Go do something. I'm tired of looking at you." If she hasn't said that to you once, I'll chop my left testy off. I, she probably has. I can't I'm think sure of a specific has. occurrence. Told you. No, but she wants me here until we. I help get the kids to bed, and then she's like, "Why are you still here?" So. What time do your kids I, go to bed? Seven thirty, eight o'clock. Yeah. What were you doing last night? What were you, I mean, you, you know. I I was. Uh, well, no, we we went out last night. We went out yesterday. We had a, like a family get together, and then when we got home, listen, man, I started watching that damn Squid Game. I cannot get it out of my head on Netflix. Yeah, I haven't dove in. Oh, dude, don't. My wife is you... watching it. I haven't watched yet. <laughs> oh, my God. It's it's very good. You have to get past the, the fact that it's overdubbed because, you know, it's like the old Godzilla movies where they're like. Yeah, I don't mind. Ah, Godzilla's coming. Right. It, it, it takes five minutes, but it is it is good. It's messed up. It's weird. It's freaky. It's like a, a social experiment gone wrong. Um, but I, I'm enjoying it. Did you watch The Sopranos? I didn't because 
I'm one of those guys that does not have HBO right now because I closed my account in in my old house. We're in a you rental know something, that already Paul? has cable. You know something, yeah. Paul? If you got out the house a little bit and you hung out with some people, maybe somebody would have gave you their HBO Max. I'm not Max. a moocher. I'm not a moocher. I, don't I, wouldn't give him, I wouldn't give him shit. I thought my parents had it, so I logged in with their cable provider. And my dad's like, no, I canceled HBO like five years ago. I'm like, what? What are you doing with your life? Well, I plan on arguing with Coop about it later anyway. Yeah, that's fine. Why? Because you liked it and he didn't? No. Or Opposite. vice versa? Vice versa. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. that's all that's going on in my life here. It was, it was no way For me, it was nostalgic as best, but we'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. It was awful. Other than that, are you looking at the outline? I have a note in there. About the bamboo toilet paper? Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this? No. I'm going to grab it to show you. Of course, the, of course the he hell has it. That is my life. No, I don't want it. Instead of bringing it up, he just goes, did you read the outline? Did you? You know, he put it in the outline. He put it in the notes. You would have thought he would have had it ready, like, at his. Right. At his bureau that he sits at. What about it? First of all, you know those brown paper towels that they have that barely soak up water? It is this fucking material. Sorry for cursing. That you're supposed to wipe your ass with. Plus, it's brown. How are you supposed to know when you're at the end? That's so bad. Um, I'm so angry at this. My wife bought it because it was on sale. Okay, so listen, I have I have a very I have well actually I do have a lot of life rules, but one of my life rules is hands down I've been said I've been saying this for over two years. There's two things you can never buy on sale or buy generic. Hundred percent paper and, and dairy. I, dairy. One I, I I throw one more in. Cereal, C- generic cereal just isn't the same. That shit in the bag just isn't the same. Man. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but the shit yeah, in the sure. bag just isn't the you same. You don't need to eat cereal. You know? Fair, but fair. You know, everybody yeah, needs use toilet paper, and everybody needs toilet paper, and you just can't go generic or cheap on that shit. I'm just shocked that Paul doesn't have a bidet because I would. Paul seems would. Well, you, I actually do house, have a bidet Alex, in, in the new house. house. Yes. No, no, no. I have one of those bidets that hooks onto your toilet, but when of course I moved, he does. I took it the, off. The and... aristocrat. <laughs> You haven't lived till you've used a bidet, man. Oh, man, this show's just going south. <laughs> Everybody's t- actually oddly, Abe is the only one that got some good sleep last night, and everybody else is. I feel shot. great. It's the best I've felt in a week, man. So it's October or bust. We have the pausers in from Alaska. Okay, that's oh, awesome. They came all the way from Alaska to celebrate Tom's fiftieth birthday. Uh, Steve Saka was here last night. Um, one of the reasons why he's on the show today. Uh, what a great crowd. We had people coming in from all over. We had people who flew in. We had people who came from Colorado. We had people who drove in. We had our locals here. It really was a great time. But I have been I have been in, in pain now for like a month. And I got some pain pills in my drawer. But the work that I'm doing at 2 in the morning, and Alex can attest to this, requires pretty cognitive thought and clear-mindedness. So I can't take these pills because I'm working with numbers all night, and I can't screw it up. So I just literally been living in like pain and um, I had I had to do redo a sleep test the other night. So I didn't sleep at all. So then last night I said, let me go home and catch up on sleep. And I woke up somehow. I pinched a nerve in my shoulder. Couldn't move my oh, arm. No. Oh, it was brutal all day yesterday. So I'm on no sleep. And then, and then when the birthday party starts, I start drinking some McAllen four or five glasses and my shoulders started to feel a little bit better. <laughs> but by about 12 o'clock i was in a coma like None. utter coma like i literally had to sneak in my office just to, just to lie here and yeah. sleep 
Um, and Brandy shows up. Uh, Brandy showed up at night. She drove me home. I left my car here. Tell you what an awesome wife I have, right? So I, I'm literally worthless. Um, say goodnight to everybody. Sneak out the back. Go home. It's probably about 12, 1230. Um, I've made a decision that I'm not going to sleep in the bed for a while because I'm thinking lying in the bed is what's jacking my neck and shoulder. So I experimented last night. I said, I'm going to sleep in the living room couch sitting up. So my wife brings out my CPAP machine. And as I'm about to pass out, she brings out our folding table. out. We have a massage table in the house. And she massages my neck and shoulders for a good 20 minutes, 30 minutes before I go to bed. That's the kind of wow. wife I have. And um, wow. yeah, put my CPAP on, got me all tucked in, slept sitting up. My shoulder feels way better this morning. My neck feels well. Saka walked in like the walking dead. Alex barely slept. I feel great. I'm the only one that feels great this <laughs> But finally, I got a good night's sleep. I feel great. I'm going to go home probably a little bit after the show. I'm going to sleep a little bit more, so I'm ready for fight night and brunch tomorrow. But it's been a great weekend seeing everybody, man. Socialite love is in full effect uh, this weekend. And if you don't know what you're talk we're talking about when watching um, the show, go to Facebook. We have a smoking social page. It's made up of probably some of the coolest and most awesome people who are cigar aficionados. And, um. Uh, Yes. I'm going to do something real quick. Oh, boy. Paul, pay attention. Paul, pay attention. He just disappeared. We got to ask him what his backdrop is. It's something in Philly, yeah. Is it the Benjamin Franklin Museum? I can't tell. It looks like it looks like a museum of some of sorts. And or where the hell did he go? I don't know. He and the funny thing is he turned off his camera and put it back on. I don't know if he realized that. Well, he told you to pay attention, and he left. I, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm paying attention, but, but yeah. that's great, man. Oh yeah, this is this is the first day. <laughs> Alex says, "Let the other hand." Oh, in. I see him. I see him. Okay, I got you, Alex. Oh, there he goes. There's Jim. Oh, Alex Asher. on remote. What's up, people? Hi, everybody. Oh, there he wow, you got a crew, man. This got Ray. Hector as well. The gang's that. all here hanging out. Nice. There we go. Wake up, will you? All right, Paul, get me out of here. I'm coming back. All right. <laughs> yeah. He's gonna watching. make a quick he's gonna make a quick quick pit stop on his way back. <laughs> well, why what well yeah, we're gonna see. Uh all right, that was good. Were you talking about my background? No. Yeah, we were saying what is that? The museum? This is not the museum. This is the Wells Fargo building in Center City, Philadelphia, also known as the Duke and Duke building from Trading Places. Oh, that's the Duke and Duke building. That's a great movie. Epic. <sighs> All right, what's next before I fall asleep? All right, before we get on to our show, do you want, is there any, anything left in banter? Or are we good, Paul? I think, no, I think we're good, man. We covered it all. We have our before, before we get in our media maker segment, we have a very special... Uh, feature spotlight episode this week. Why don't we hit it and uh, get through that segment? Joining us live from the coast of Miami is our good friend, Mr. Rafael Nodal. Rafael, hey, guys. hey, guys. How are hey, you, my brother? Having me here. Thank you for having me here. Um, by the way, Paul, um, I 
you know, I, I thought you were going to bring me uh, into the show right after the bidet thing. And you know, <laughs> I was just going to go down. I said, you know, so I'm glad you guys uh, continue talking a little bit about that. <laughs> we got past no the bidet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have one, by the way. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I feel like Raphael has a Toto intelligence toilet, like my dream <laughs> toilet. Well, one of those amazing. It talks to you. It I. Heats up the heat. In my trip to uh, to Japan, I took so many videos of this uh, of these toilets. I was uh, just my wife thought it was amazing uh, uh, because uh, just just I just went crazy with us. But thank you very much for having me here, Alice. It was great meeting you in person. Finally, uh, you, were, you were taller than what I really had in my mind. <laughs> it's, the first, it's the first time I ever that's, had that in my life. Yeah, that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all, all I know is last night we took a group photo of all the people that were here hanging out and Alex looked next to him and there was Alexis from the socialite page about maybe four or five inches shorter than him. He, I never seen him so happier not to be the shortest <laughs> guy in the photo. He really, he did a right. Tiger Woods like, yes, yes. That was, that was good. That was good. That was at the 15th anniversary of Cigar Snow Magazine. That was a great event. Great party. Here, yes. And here in Hollywood, it was just a great, great thing. So we are here today. Thank you for giving the opportunity. We're here today to introduce the new uh, Monte Cristo Epic Vintage 12, as I like to call it, Epic Blue, because look at that. What, what a beautiful, what a be beautiful presentation for a gray cigar that uh, it brings tobacco from the year 2012. These are Dominican tobacco grown by the Mendez family from the year 2012. The Mendez family have been doing a great job for us. It's been growing the Pilotico, and this includes some uh, Pilotos from the year 2012. And I don't know what you guys were doing in 2012, but I had like, a, I was half the man I am today. I was uh, maybe 50 pounds less. And uh, man, after the pandemic, I've been eating and drinking and smoking so much. But uh, we wanted to present. So thank you for the opportunity because uh, this is a great cigar that we are very, extremely, very proud of, uh, of what the group of the maestros on Tabacalera Garcia has done. The Tabacalera Garcia is celebrating this year the 50. 54, uh, sorry, 53 anniversary. Uh, we move into a new factory, state of the art. We finalizing the construction. It should be ready for March and we're putting out some great cigars. So I appreciate the opportunity because in Monte Cristo, we're working extremely hard to bring the consumers the best possible cigar for the best possible prices. This is a little bit more expensive than the other Monte Cristo because it's just the type of tobacco that have been going into making this. Vintage from 2012. It's easy to say, but it's, uh, you know, keeping up with all these tobaccos and make sure the blend, it was something that, uh, that it was, uh, has a lot of complexity, a lot of character. At the same time, we're very well balanced. So I hope, thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity because your listeners and the people from the club, your monthly club will be receiving this. They so got them. They got them. They got them. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. So, Rafael, this comes in two sizes, right? Two Vitolas, a Toro, and the classic number two size. And the classic number two sizes, yeah. which is a little bit different than most of the number two. My favorite happens to be the Toro, but in both of them are fantastic. A very small, yeah, there you go. Very small limited edition on this. Um, very small production because it's just a very, very old tobacco. You know, the vintage uh, the Epic series, we introduced first. The first one was a yellow one that was from... Um, tobacco from the year 2007. So what we like to say is that this tobacco, we only, this cigar, we only make it when we have 
amazing tobaccos that represent the best of those years. And that's when we, that Jim, thank you. I hope you guys, uh, you guys get to try it. I'm not sure if, uh, I think, uh, yeah, some of you may have tried it already. So thank you very much. I'm glad to, uh, that you do because I have to tell you during the pandemic, this has been very difficult. You were talking about the containers, right? Uh, uh, Alice was mentioning yesterday, CBS had this uh, thing on the news about so many containers being up. The whole thing is, but those boxes are being made in our factory in Dominican Republic. We wanted to make sure we did that there. And also the anillos and all this, we work with local, with local, uh, people. But, um, you know, making sure that we, during the pandemic, getting the cigars on time, getting everything planned ahead, it's definitely, it's definitely been a, a challenge and one that we have worked extremely hard to bring our consumers the, the cigars that they deserve and they want. As a matter of fact, I'm working right now on the cigar. I already got it in my hands that we're going to do in the Connoisseur Club in December, which is okay. uh, something that I'm very, very happy with. You know, we haven't been late, right? So we haven't been no, late. Everybody's on Listen, and it's funny. People are going to find out this month. Um, it's very funny because, you know, Rafael, when I did this, you know, we, we have all next year all planned out already with everybody. But when you, when you do projects like this, it's in your head. Somebody's going to forget. Somebody's going to mess up. I try to send reminders. Raphael will tell you, I start sending texts a month or two. I hey, know. Just, just a reminder. At midnight, yes, yes. one o'clock in the morning. That's okay. Yeah, so he does his best work. In the morning. Yeah, yeah. That's why I do my best work. But we actually had a manufacturer who dropped the ball and messed up and forgot. This is going to be the first month. So um, we have a replacement cigar and uh, it'll be interesting. But yep, it happened. We almost made it. We made it all the way. We made it all the way till uh, October. Remember. Somebody, uh, somebody dropped the ball. It is hard. There's a lot of different things going on. By the way, Charlie's asking whether this is a mild, medium, or full profile. This is a what I would call a medium plus, right? So uh, again, a lot of um, it, it's very difficult to do a very, very full uh, cigar when you have such uh, aged tobacco. So this is uh, this include a lot of the heroes, but because it has been aged so long. It is uh, more in the medium, medium plus area, depending where the palate is. Uh, so, uh, you know, um, Monte Cristo Epic, we're already working and we're selecting some tobaccos that we're going to age for, for many years uh, from last year's uh, selection. So um, the Epic line, like, like the advertising says, once in a blue moon, and this is what we try to do in the blue uh, moon. The Epic, beautiful presentation, but it's actually... A very good cigar, very Cubanesque in nature. A lot of um, Cubanesque flavors because of that piloto age so long. So very good cigar. I hope you guys like it. Well, Rafael, thank you for coming and joining us this morning on our spotlight feature and telling everybody about your new Monte Cristo Epic Twelve Year mm -hmm. Vintage Monte Cristo Blue. Um, if you're a member of our Cigar of the Month Club, which we always strive to bring you epic selections uh, and new stuff, this was in our Cigar. This is a brand new cigar for them. This was in our Cigar of the Month Club this month. You all got to try it. Um, and obviously being members of our club, you get a code for the month if you want to get some more cigars, but also watching KMA, if you're not in a cigar month club, which you should be, um, we have a code for you this weekend. Uh, it's MC, MC blue. blue, MC, MC blue. blue, Paul, if you can scroll at the bottom of the screen, MC blue, that code is good today and tomorrow boxes or five packs, use it. You'll get 15% off. And this way you get to try this Epic cigar, literally Epic at a discount. So thank, thank you, you guys. Thank, thank you, you Raphael. Much. Appreciate thank it, you, my friend. Always good to see you, Raphael. Good to see, see you guys. Later, brother. Take, Take care. care. MC Blue. There it is. I like that, the wax that, deal. That's on Paul's. The uh, that's Paul's old rap name. 
actually. MC was, Blue? MC yeah, Blue. MC Blue. All right. If he hasn't fallen asleep already by now or uh, whatever, let's, uh, <laughs> he might be in there snoring and sleeping by be. now. Let's, uh, Steve is locked away in one of our offices, so um be interesting to see if he's actually still awake. Let's hit our meet your maker and get, get the big man on. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. <laughs> I thought he'd have somebody behind him massaging him. I love the brick background. That's his thing. I have so much to say about what I just heard, and I'm just trying to decide what we're well, going to start. Let's start with the bidet. I was going to say, I mean, and what's not, not? smart to say. <laughs> Don't and ruin this for me, Steve. I'm a big fan. thing that I have in my head. I should share publicly. Not one. <laughs> Every single thing is a problem. <laughs> Let me say this. I'm incredibly flattered. Thank you, my friends at Altidus Asset. I appreciate that. The bidet thing, yeah. It's nice having your little uh, your little buddy there tickled occasionally. So I can I can understand that. I see the appeal <laughs> there. Um fuck. Raphael's a great guy, but is he like out of central casting or what? I mean, oh literally, my God, so perfect. Let's, let's dial up. We need a Latin cigar maker. We need a guy that's really full of passion and love. And can play, wait, can know, play the man. piano. Is classically uh, trained. I know. It's like how, how the how the fuck am I supposed to follow that shit? <laughs> listen, I mean, like, I mean listen. you guys got me locked up in like a goddamn closet, right? <laughs> you keep me here till two in the morning drinking. Okay, I, I don't even know. I, Listen, I post these pictures of having cups of coffee in, in, in my, my lanai with yeah. a little screen patio, whatever. And I'm, you know, good morning, everybody. And then he's got this tropic seacoast line view from his patio with his perfectly cupped espresso with the little lemon twist. And I'm like, oh, all right, I give up. I give totally up. different level. Totally different level. Yeah. I, we aspire to be like Rafael Nodal. I would feel uncomfortable in it, man. It's like, oh, he's totally natural in it. That's him. That's it. I mean, if it's like for him, it it like it isn't a facade. You know what I mean? Oh hell no! Right. Whereas if I started doing that, it'd be like, man, that's Saka. He's so fake, man. (laughs) There's just no way around it. So good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, world. First off, doing. I want to thank you for my still well. Oh. Now, let me warn you about the Stillwell. I oh, wow. There is there is a little problem with Stillwell, and that is much like a pipe. It's something that I think you kind of have to like slowly ease in in the first half inch. You need a chance for the for the pipe tobaccos to warm up. So it's really important to get a nice even burn and kind of <laughs> ease into it a little bit. I think I think that's something that I, I've noticed. Now that I've smoked, well, God, I've smoked like a thousand of damn things. I'm starting to notice it makes a big difference how you begin to smoke the cigar. So and this is, the aromatic, this aromatic. is the aromatic number one, which I could taste immediately. Yeah. The aromatic number one's the, uh, that's the one that's got, uh, it's got the sweet tip, which everyone's going to talk about, but it says that it has a sweet tip right on the box. And it's just, uh, it's a really nice, um, 
it's a combination of like an aromatic black Cavendish with golden Virginia, a touch of burly in there. And it's got a really nice natural casing and it just gives you this kind of, Oh, I don't know. I get, I get, I can, I can get like red velvet cupcake, you know, buttercream frosting and the, and the room notes on it. Fantastic. The only thing is it's, um, I don't think it's going to be good for the people who want like hardcore sweet or hardcore flavor. It's, it's a, it's a much more subtle kind of presentation, you know, but uh, are we still looking at a November drop or yeah, we are. I mean, that, that's what I'm hoping for. I, I think it's, and I, as you know, a just everything is so difficult right now with shipping and boxes and this and that. So I, it's really hard to, like hard, hard commit. Um, I'll have a better idea next week because next week I'm in Nika and I'm going to be looking at all the Paladin Desakas and the, the Tricky Traka 448s and, of course, the Stillwells because those are the three items that are coming in the near future. And once I, If I see all the boxes stacked there, I'll feel much better. The boxes are the problem right now, not the cigars. Cigars, are, cigars have been long done and in the cool room. I hear you on that one. We got the- Is it a problem getting them, getting the cigars here, or it's more just a problem getting the boxes? Yes. To the factory. Yes, to both. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was telling us the story last night how stuff's coming on four different, five different flights to five different parts of the country yeah, and getting it here and having crazy. it. I mean, and then sent to Chelsea. Right. Two months. Two months ago, UPS lost about. 84 master cartons. There's like six pallets of cigars. Last Friday, they lost like eight pallets, nine pallets of cigars. I mean, it, it's... Uh, well, I got my notification yesterday. My Vendermas finally shipped, so I guess those were found. Those were found. Um, you know, it took a long time, but the funny part about them being found was UPS didn't even know they found them. They just dropped them off at our place. We wow. didn't sign for anything. And it was like literally a week later after I had a chance to inspect everything, that I notified them that it got delivered. And they're like, oh, wow, great. I'm like, are you kidding me? You guys, you guys lose like $300 plus thousand worth of shit, and you just you have no clue you dropped it off at my place? I mean, it's it, it's insane. I'm yeah, that's you, crazy. I'm going to tell you something about the Stillwell, because, you know, I dabbled in pipes. I used to have three or four pipes. I gave up pipes because smoking a pipe's like a job. And I don't want a yeah. job when, I, when I'm enjoying it. It is a lot, of, it's a lot of work. It's, it's a, a job. Cleaning the pipe, making sure you get a good carbon base around it. You can only smoke a pipe once a day, really. So if you want a second one, you got to have a second pipe. It's, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a very yeah. complex. But I always love, I had, I had a grandfather. I had an, a couple uncles that smoked pipe. I always loved the flavor of pipes. This is so reminiscent of enjoying a pipe without all the work. Well, that's the whole oh, thing. Really? I've been doing yeah. it for 30 years. And I think, I think the thing that I find really interesting is the fact that in the Stillwell line, there's four different versions that are entirely different. And it's kind of like four cornerstones of just like in cigar world, we have our mild creamy shade cigar. We have our, you know, real spicy Habano sun grown cigar. I have one blend that's an aromatic one blend. That's an English one blend. That's what I'm calling a Bayou, which is a vape, a vapor blend, a Virginia Perique blend. And then another one that's a Navy. So when, when it comes to Stillwell, it's four distinctly different cigars, four distinctly different smoking experiences. You can really love the aromatic and hate the other three. The only one you might think worth smoking is the Bayou and the other three are crap. It it's really gives you a totally 
unique experience. Um, but it isn't a substitute for a pipe. Well, you know I was I mean? going to say that, Steve. I'm a little curious. It's a cigar Steve. first with essences of a pipe. But I think the essences are enough that if you're a pipe guy and you smoke a Bayou 32, you go, oh, yeah, that's a Virginia Perique blend. I want it to be enough that they recognize it. But it's not smoking a pipe. It's a it's a cigar first. But I wonder, I'm curious to see what happens after the fact. If if some pipe smokers will say, well, this is just a lot easier. I'm just going to grab a cigar. Or if some know. people I mean, if some people who have never had pipes will smoke this and say, this is really decent flavor. Let me go experiment with pipes. It's going to be interesting because I really don't know which way it can go, what kind of causal effects it'll have. So let me say this. The... Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to advertise somebody else while I'm on your program, but there is one company in America that controls the vast majority of the entire pipe market, pipe tobacco, pipe market. Anyone that's a pipe smoker is really familiar with this company, um, and they also do cigars, but at a smaller scale. Uh, they they are so excited about this. You have no idea. They just they feel like the crossover is going to be incredible. They think their pipe guys are going to want it. They think their cigar guys are going to want it. They think it's going to take some of their cigar guys and lead them into pipes. They think it's going to take some of their pipe guys and lead them into cigars. So if anybody would know, they would know because they deal with these people. They're their customers, right? Right. What I don't know is it's like every cigar you launch. In the end, will it sell really well for a year or two? And then become something or will it just kind of like, okay, that was kind of an, an idea, but, you know, the one thing I did do though, is I did it all really tippy top end. I mean, when you smoke these, like the pipe tobaccos between the four, they range between about 80 to about 120 some dollars a pound. So there was, there was no, there was no cutting corners on Stillwell. It's going to, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's never been anything like it in the marketplace. Allison. Great, great pun. Let me. Oh I want to ask God. you. A, I want to ask you a cigar nerd, a little bit of cigar nerd question, Steve. Um, as a guy who smokes multiple cigars a day, I don't know if it's just me or other people do this, but there are certain cigars that I won't smoke unless I know it's going to be my last cigar because I know that nothing else after that. I'm just going to that taste of that cigar is going to linger in my mouth no matter what you I want do. to end on a bad note and not even a bad note. It's just that I know that like, if I smoke something else, I'm still going to have this taste. Like Opus does that for me. If I smoke an Opus, I don't smoke anything else. Cause it's that taste is just always there. It's usually there the next morning is pipe tobacco kind of that way is still well kind of cigar. Like I want to make this my last cigar because that flavor is just going to be there. And I know you're a guy that smokes no, 5,000 cigars a day. I don't, I don't think so because I mean, one of the things that I always think about when I make a cigar is I always, so, so I don't know how many people in the audience, there's a man named Estelo Padron. Estelo Padron was a very famous cigar maker. He was the brother of Jose Orlando Padron, the, the Padron, right? Jose Orlando Padron Sr. And it was like back in the 90s, I was kind of ghosting, or well, ghosting means something different today, but I was following him. Uh, and his factory, just trying to sponge up everything. And at one point, we were sitting there, and I'd been there about three weeks, and he says to me, Saka, the most important thing you need to know about making cigars is always think about this. And he pounds his chest like this, right? So I'm, you know, I'm young, right? I'm what, 25, 26? I'm naive. 
what do I say? Heart, passion, love, right? I say all that. He's like, fuck passion. No. What I want is when the guy is smoking this cigar, he's checking his pocket to see if he has another cigar. Okay. That is the success he said, told me in making a really good cigar. So when I make almost everything, I always think about that. I want it to be strong enough that it's satisfying as you're smoking it. But I also wanted to always leave you wanting a little, little bit more. Now, I have a few cigars in the mix that are kind of sit down, smoke them, and, oh, I now need a break. Um, like Krakatoa will probably be that way next year's uh, Muester release. But as a general rule of thumb, I don't tend to make cigars that wash your palate out. I don't, I don't, it's not, I smoke so many a day. I always want to leave someone going, man, that, that, that tricky truck was really good. Let me have another one. Or, oh, you know what? Let me go and switch over to a sin. I, I always think in those terms. Nice. That was a totally selfish question. I'm just trying to figure out Alex, have these, you, which have one of these fuckers smoked, I'm smoking first later. <laughs> have you ever smoked a pipe before, Alex? I have not. And I have not because of exactly what Abe said. I'm very intrigued by pipe tobacco and uh, I, I would love to get into it. But everything I hear, it's just a job. Tobacco. The problem is it's you got to figure out how to pack it. You got to figure right. out the moisture of the tobacco. You got to figure out how to pack a certain cut. The bowl size matters, the diameter, the depth. The drill size of the hole, the length of the stem. There are so many components to becoming proficient with smoking a pipe. Right. But what happens is to the average person is they what can't that? keep it lit. They light it a billion times. They mm-hmm. smoke it for like 60 seconds, light it again, smoke it 60 seconds. And then they end up just the getting saliva gets in the tobacco. Bite. It or hurts burn their tongue. Right. Do it and, they, and they put it aside. And that's kind of one of the reasons why for me, I've been adding pipe tobacco. My favorite pipe tobacco is the cigars for my personal smoking for well over two decades now. I just never really ever had the opportunity to, um, well, I was planning on doing it, but then the FDA got involved and we didn't know how all that was going to shake out. <laughs> now the now things make a little bit more sense. Or at least we have some clarity. Um, it, it afforded me the opportunity to do this because this is a really, this is a weird project. It's definitely different. Whether it's a winner or a loser, it'll be a winner out of the gate. I already know that by the amount of pre-orders we have. The question is going to be, does anyone find anything in there they like? That's going to be the question. To me, when I was when I was first delving into cigars, there's nothing like a pipe on the first cold night when you're when you're in the Northeast. You know, like this time of year when it when it dips down in New York to like 40 degrees, there's nothing like sitting outside and smoking a pipe. I, I used to have a bunch of buddies that we'd we'd smoke like once a year because for the same reasons it's a it's a big pain in the ass and but it's it's a cool experience to have and it, it's very obviously aromatic I love the smell of pipes as well so this is I'll an interesting cigar though right now look at that that's pretty cool the traffic jams are I mean that's just all day every day in India I'm Thurston, sure Thurston Paul the third smoking a pipe I never would have seen that coming. <laughs> <laughs> With an ascot and a robe, got your little captain. a smoking social robe. Right, captain, yeah. You didn't. I haven't. I haven't smoked the pipe. You didn't get a smoking social there. robe, did you? He didn't. Nope. How, how would you know? Uh, you we fulfill the orders, and Abe did them personally. How do you know that somebody didn't uh, purchase one on my behalf? Because I, I don't want people to know what I'm buying. Because nobody, nobody cares for you that much. Exactly. You <laughs> took the words out of my mouth. 
And for the record, I actually did wonder internally where Paul was last night, but then I realized I didn't give a fuck to ask him where he was. So, <laughs> but I did, I did think about it, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't inquire. So you were in my thoughts for like six seconds, Paul. A very That's, fleeting. That makes me feel good. Right. Yeah. That makes me there. feel good. <laughs> Steve, I still see you. You're, you're just, you're just beating yourself up. You are all over the road. You, you actually drove how many hours to get here last night? Oh, uh, no, it wasn't too bad yesterday. Like, what, seven hours? Oh, it wasn't too bad. Okay. What, what happened? Uh, you, you had some car troubles, though? I've had nothing yeah, yeah. but car troubles this trip. My own car broke down in Pennsylvania, got a rental. It broke down by the time I got to South Virginia. I got another rental. It actually broke down in Jacksonville. I didn't even post about it breaking down in Jacksonville because it's just getting to the point that it feels like I'm making it up because right, right. My, Four times in a row, I have a vehicle problem on a, in one week on a trip. But, uh, yeah, the battery died in it, and I had to actually get a jump start. And I actually I actually ended up going to AutoZone and buying a new battery for the rental car because I didn't want to deal with a rental car company. Jeez. Yeah, you, know, but, you know what? It is what it is. What am I going to do? Yeah. Well, since the last time you've been on the show, right? Yeah. You now have a daughter-in-law. Uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. That's right. um, it, yeah. You know, does the thought of being a grandfather anytime soon tickle your fancy? Well, I'm actually, I become an auto grandfather because uh, uh, my son got married at uh, 37 and uh, Anna's also 37. So uh, I have two built in granddaughters. Oh, already. there you go. Okay. So I didn't know you were actually a grandpappy. There you go. Congratulations. Yeah. And I, I don't think. I don't think it's really sunk into these girls just how great their life just got. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they can't even fathom it. You know what I mean? You, you have those dreams, you know, you grow up in uh, Nicaragua. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's gonna It's going to be crazy. I don't want to, I'm going to share wanna... a little, I'm going to share a little story about Mr. Love Muffin as my wife calls him this morning. Right. <laughs> He added in. He added in with chocolate chips, by the way, on his own. But yes, my wife calls him Mister Love Muffin. Um, what people won't believe, because I have four kids, and uh, Cindy, Steve's wife, is a godmother to one of my daughters. Steve is such a big softy with little kids. I mean, like real big softy. Like even in the little voice, he'll put on a little tiara if he has to to play with the girls. He'll let my kids climb all over him. He's a softie. You're going to be a good grandpappy. I, look, it. kids don't suck, man. It's when they grow into adults. Like <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I mean, kids are just so full of life and joy and everything. I mean, yeah, do they get a little ankle bitey sometimes? You kind of like, I need a little space. But for the most part, no. And if, it, if it, you think about how great this world would be if just everyone died at the age of twelve, <laughs> how, how happy a planet? How happy a planet would this planet be? Right? Listen, it's the truth. I watch my son because I'll sit and have a cigar in the little night where my son will just run around in the patio, arms acting like he's a plane flying. Not a care in the world, man. I'm like, uh, how awesome it would it be just to be in that mindset again, where you don't give a shit about nothing. Yep. Everything is literally in the moment. He's not thinking about tomorrow. He's not thinking about what's for dinner. He's just loving that moment in life, running around, dreaming, doing that. I love watching that. I, mean, I can get lost watching him do that for hours. That's what we did this morning at 6.30 in the morning. Well, you still do it. Riding. What are you talking about? 
They were outside with bubbles, and I was just sitting there sipping my coffee, and they're running around, and the kids are running around with the bubble makers and running around like lunatics all morning. Not a care. Not a care. All right. Until so, they slipped on the bubbles. <laughs> Stillwell, November. Now, you gifted me yeah. You gifted me and Alex, and thank God Paul wasn't here. Yep. Uh, I, I, Steve, I'll be happy to take Paul's cigars to him. Don't worry. Very generous <laughs> to you. Yeah. You're, you're, you're such a mensch. Yes. Uh, let's talk about this puppy right here. Uh, Paladin de Saka. Yeah, Paladin de Saka. You know, as so often happens with me, I make a blend and I smoke hundreds, if not thousands, typically thousands. And I was like, I can't imagine. I'm done, right? I finished. I'm over with it. And I put it in a box and I sell it. And then about a year later, I kind of go, huh, I kind of wish I had done this, you know? So, but you can't change a perfectly great blend that is selling really well. So I have this habit of taking something that I made. And after I've had a chance to smoke it a year, two years, once it gets some age on it, I tend to do a little micro tweak. That's kind of the way Sober Mesa and Sober Mesa, the Elegante and Cedros and the Short Churchill is slightly different. You know what I mean? With Mike Rita, I made a change that actually converted it into a whole new Mike Rita, the, the Tricky Chiraca, where I felt like that was worthy of being a, a different line because it is so distinctly different. Uh, it's the same thing in Sin. Um, I started making a, a blend of Sin that was just a little stronger, not crazy stronger, just a touch more rich, a touch more oomph. And um, I started smoking them myself a couple years back. And uh, about a year ago, I decided, well, you know what? Let's just add it in the, and I, I'm only adding it right now in the size that I smoke, which is a, a seven by 52, but it feels more like a seven by 50 because of the box press and uh, calling like, it Paladin de Saka. And it's, uh, it's like a baseball bat. It seems like such a sturdy, heavy cigar, just even holding it. Well, you know, most most pressed cigars are slightly underfilled. And the manufacturers do that because you run you have two problems when you fill a cigar the normal way when you're going to put it in the trunk press. The first problem you have is that too many of them will crack when you put it in the press because they don't have enough give. The second problem you have is they can become too tight too quickly when you press them. So by underfilling them, you can avoid that problem. The issue, though, is when you do that, you then end up with a much lighter, much more airy, quicker burning cigar. So that's one of the things that I don't tend to like about most pressed cigars. So there's really a very fine line when you're doing the bunching to still get the cigar to feel firm. And I, and I like a firm cigar. I don't want it to be I want the draw to be easy, but I don't want it to be airy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, not too loose. Not too loose, not too, not too, not too tight, not too loose. There's a certain place where it's just perfect. A little bit of resistance. I always call it kind of like um, you go to Dairy Queen, you get the milkshake, and you just leave it in the cup holder for like 10 minutes before you try to drink the milkshake. You right. know what I mean? With that long. I'm always trying to get it up the straw. <laughs> right. And it, it's unsmokable. Right? And the nice thing about that draw level is. It slows the combustion down, which lets you taste the tobacco more. It cuts out the bitter acridness that you get when it's burning too hot. And it also ends up holding an ash longer. It ends up smoking longer. Um, there's a lot of things I like, but that requires a lot more attention to detail to, to make a firm, well, 
to make a well-packed pressed cigar is a much more difficult task. Fucking William Cooper stole my fucking thunder. I literally was going to say before the break, before I went to break, I wanted all our listeners to see who has any faith in Paul at all. First of all, I was waiting for your listeners. I wanted all our listeners to post whether anyone really believes that Paul took any freaking time in his life to make one new commercial. And fucking Cooper beats me to it. He posts on her. Beats me to it. Don't is a toothpaste, man. He he'll stab you in the back. Look, look what at that. stab you in the back? He's just calling the reality of your ineptitude to do your job. It's all right, Coop. It's nice to know we're on the same page. I literally, <laughs> I was literally thinking this as I was going to break. I'm going to do a poll. Can I go home? I don't need to be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got more for you after break. But before we go into break, let's talk about this little puppy, which has been getting a little bit of a. Oh yeah, that's Ooh. the uh, that's the new Tricky Traka number four four eight, um, and that's kind of what started the Tricky Traka blend. Was uh, you know every year a retailer, two guys smoke shop does an annual release of a firecracker. What I didn't realize because I was so he doesn't busy. want to advertise an unknown to, you know rare tobacco yeah, but company, but he'll just throw two guys right out there. Do you want me to? Do you want me to tell the origin story? You want tell me the origin story. story. I'm just busting. So your the truth off. is, Abe DeBabna actually came up with the idea in his bathtub <laughs> one night while he was playing with Johnson. He says, "Yeah, it's really short, but it's really good. I really like it. It keeps me happy." You like that story better? I mean, so anyways, I made this special blend of Mickey Reader that was stronger, and um, and that was actually what launched the entire red line of Mickey Reader, Tricky Traka. But I never made the smaller format just out of respect for, hey, I was making this firecracker, you know, three consecutive years for Dave. And uh, we just couldn't come to an agreement on a price anymore. And it's not his fault or my fault. It's just cigars cost more and firecrackers have a certain price point. So this year uh, I'm basically making it's not identical. The firecracker was a three and a half by 50. Um, of course, it has that fuse on it, but this is a four by 48. And I, I think people that enjoyed the I think people that enjoy really punchy, zippy, poppy cigars are going to really, really like it. Personally. It's a little much for me. It's it's kind of like what Alex was talking about. It's kind of a cigar that you say, OK, I'm going to smoke this one and then I'm going to I'm going to take a break. It kind of it kind of it's that kind of cigar, you know, mm-hmm. um, but. It's, you know, still well, but do the flavors get more uh, muted as you continue to smoke a cigar? I mean, I still taste them. I still taste all the variances. But I think, it, I think it's like every cigar it is. And when you start it, everything seems a little bit more vibrant, and then you kind of settle into it. But I, I think, think so, now that you mention it, I think I think the thing that I'm most interested in when it comes to Stillwell, I had my first. I had my first opportunity the other night that someone was smoking a Stillwell when I wasn't smoking a Stillwell. And I was like, wow, I could really tell what exactly they were smoking by the aroma. Hmm. And I was, I was really surprised by that. I, I didn't, I didn't think it would be as distinct as it is. Have you started yours, Alex? I have not. Cause when I was first smoking it at the beginning of the show, like I knew, I really, I knew every puff what I was smoking. And then I just realized I, I forgot what I was smoking. I, mean, I could taste it thinking about it now, but it, it's just not 
so much at the forefront as it was when I first lit the cigar. And that's going to be the question is, did I go too subtle? Did I go too balanced? Did oh, I go too? I like. I'm trying to make something that truly the high end luxury cigar smoker would smoke. At the same time, I'm also trying to make something that the guy that smokes high end pipe tobacco would also smoke. And most of that stuff isn't really at the extremes. Most of it is about balance and nuance and taste sensations and try, try to stay in that wheelhouse. And look, and I, have, I have a future. I can make all sorts of other different Stillwells if this is successful. I've actually blended eight others. Oh. Not eight others, four others. There's four others that are 100% finished, ready to go. But uh, let's see how the first four we do before we start talking about adding anything else. Mark, <laughs> I'm smoking the aromatic number one. Now, I know I'm going to get asked, Steve, so before we go to break, how are we looking on uh, drop dates on these two here? Paladin's probably going to be about the same time, tail end of November. And then, uh, well, the tricky truck was supposed to be delivered in June, so here we are in October, and it hasn't happened yet. Um, I would not be surprised if that also comes in November. I think the question for me is, do I just hold it until next year and not fill the orders? Do I, I, I don't, it's tough, you know, just, it's just the way the whole COVID thing worked out, you know, couldn't go to the factory last year. Last time I was there is the end of March. All my projects got delayed, hit the ground running in January. I've been there every month this year, except February. I'm just, I'm catching up with everything. It's one of the reasons why I have so many like limiteds and exclusives hitting this year, because I didn't deliver the limiteds that I had promised for 2020. To certain customers, right? Because I can't just let the factory do what the factory does. I I have to see it. I have to be there. You know, it's just it's part of when somebody buys one of our brand cigars. I am actively involved in the process. That's part of the deal. So mm-hmm. it's it's made twenty twenty one messy. So for all practical purposes, I kind of look at Stillwell and as a twenty twenty two release, right? I look at Paladin de Saka is ultimately a 2022 release. I mean, well, but it, it should all come at the end of this year. We got to take a short break. We're going to have more with Steve Saka in hour two. Um, we have our uh, As the Record Screen segments with Avo Cigars, where our friend Eddie Gear has a question specifically for you, Steve Saka. And, uh, of course, Tale of the Tape Season 3. This is week number two of uh, the best mafia movies of all time. And, uh, and, and always our friend, The Scoop with Coop, with the news, coming up in hour two. And Joseph Alcaraz, stay tuned during this break. We will answer your question. The H. Upman 1844 Classic is a medium-bodied cigar with wonderful flavor notes of toasted almonds, cocoa, coffee, and just a hint of spice. Featuring an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper, you get wonderful aroma notes of sweet coffee and chocolate. Available in a Corona, Robusto, Toro, and Churchill, this is a great time to experience the nuances of nature with the H. Upman 1844 Classic, a shade above others. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes.
Blake's originality. He doesn't like repeats. And I like to sleep with a glass of Bonner Private Wines next to my bed so that when I wake up in a cold sweat because I forgot to do something for him, I have it here to relax myself. It really is good wine. See, Bonner Private Wines is a partner with KMA Talk Radio, and that means they're a partner with you. You can try any of their wines by going to kmawines.com. You can try their three-pack wine sampler. You can also try one of my favorites, Sunal. It's from the third highest vineyard, altitude-wise, in the world, 8,950 feet. And it's delicious. goes well with a great cigar. So check it out. And I'm going to go back to sleep. And hopefully Abe will not yell at me today. But first I'm going to finish this. Okay, you guys can go now. Okay. You don't see the teddy bear, right? No. Steve, you haven't seen that box, have you? Um, no, I haven't actually seen the finished item. Yeah, I'll show I'll show you the, the box for it before you head out awesome. today. Yeah, we got two prototypes still here. I mean, will that even happen before Christmas? Are we well? I mean, look, the, the, the cigars are in transit, so it's just a matter of I mean, we still got plenty of time. It only takes us, it's only gonna take us a week to get them out. So, so luckily, I wanted them so early that I was demanding an August delivery date that even right. them being late should get it here on time for us to get them out set by the 1st of December. It'll be in everybody's hands. But let's not let the advent calendar overshadow Paul's lack of effort on a commercial. Shameless. <laughs> I was hoping. Paul is just shameless, man. He, oh, I wake up in cold sweats. My lip, he, he could give two shits about letting me <laughs> I sleep pretty well. Shameless. Listen, uh, our whole I was waiting for our I was waiting for our fans. I, I didn't our know whole we had fan guests. base abuses him every week and he could care less. 
At some point, William Cooper I comment? In and I would say, God, I got to make a commercial this week. I but but let's be honest. You you need a Paul. You need a foil, right? So yeah, Paul, you wouldn't know what to do without me to make fun of. You're actually providing a very you're, – you're filling a very special role. Think of how less entertaining this show would be without <laughs> you. In fact, I don't know if anyone would watch. I wouldn't watch it to watch Abe. I can tell you that. You, you are the draw. You're the <laughs> yeah. reason I watch. Um, so to answer the question before the break, yes, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust is involved in our holiday advent calendar. You saw his logo pop up, and if I believe correctly. Does Steve, Steve know that? Yes. He may, Steve may not. Steve <laughs> Actually, I, I was the first one to commit. He was, literally. It was I think Miami. Steve was the first one to deliver, too, actually. We were we were in Miami last December, just so you know. It was literally last December. You were going to Nicaragua. I met you and your son down in That's Durant. right. I was I was there with you guys. That's right. You came down that That's night. And not only is Dunbarton participating, he has provided two selections for Ooh. the advent calendar. And while I have Steve on, I'm going to tease another one, if you don't mind, Steve. Um, Steve is also committed to another great smoke release. Wow. So this one's amazing. We have another great smoke release being made by Steve for the great smoke and those people who will participate in the great smoke this year and information will drop on November 1st when tickets go for sale about that as well and how we're going to do it this year to avoid some of the catastrophes we had last year. But, um, Man, that's right around the corner, November first. It's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting race. Yes, it is. Interesting race. But in my honest opinion, as always, I, this will be again one of the most epic great smokes probably ever in the history of this event by doing it live and virtually at the same time. So should be a very. I've already bought a Hawaiian shirt for it. So I'm, I'm wow, perfect. You had to buy one. You don't have one. Yeah, dude. I, I have some sense of style. You know, as a fat man. <laughs> fat man in a Hawaiian shirt is a double wrong. Listen, yeah. fat, fat men have to compensate. We have to have a little extra style to make up for our physique. Yeah. So, um, we're going to get into the Connoisseur Club trickery in a bit, Kevin. But before that, we have a very special question from our good friends at Avo Cigars in our As You As the Record Spins segment. A uh, question by our good friend Eddie Garrett, for, specifically for Steve Saka this week. Let's hit it. is not a bad question and probably one pertains to me because it's for guys like me and you Steve it's, it's a, a possibility in our realm um, this is a good this is a question by our good friend Eddie Guerra here you go Steve if you had to go vegan by yeah. doctor's orders yeah what would be the last meal you had the day before you had to start being vegan last meal I'd have before I had to go vegan I mean, the obvious answer is a, a tomahawk, right? I mean, that's the obvious answer. But the reality is, if it was the last day before I had to go vegan, I would probably eat for 24 hours straight every single thing. <laughs> Knockers, sausage, double stuffed pork chop. Yeah, I, I think I would literally just do an entire sloth fest. I, I don't think I would stop. because I, I And I got to tell you, if my doctor ordered that I had to go vegan... 
I would probably I a spicy black bean burger that uh, the Morningstar makes because I actually like those black bean burgers. I think those are delicious, chili with yeah. an egg over them. But about two weeks later, I would probably commit suicide. So I would be a vegan <laughs> for about two weeks, and then I would probably if, say, fuck it. Yeah. If, if you're vegan, you can't put an egg over it. All right. I don't care. <laughs> I, I can't even keep track of what vegetarian and vegan is. And, uh, and then and there's like some sort of like GDQ vegan. I, I How am I supposed to keep track of this stuff? I think I'd fly to Texas and just have like some of the best barbecue. Oh, like, barbecue for me is an absolute must, right? Yeah, because you get, you get it all. You get pork, you get beef, yeah, you, get I kid, mean, you get chicken. You get the sampler. The whole thing, nonstop. In fact, yeah. when we went down to the Texas Cigar Festival, we went to a, a great barbecue place. I forgot what it's called. And they actually had guys in the parking lot doing uh, crawfish and and and, 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 uh. and and crab boils and shrimp boils. And, yeah, I would just go hit a place like that and spend the day there. Man, I, I, I can't even wrap my ra- – look, I, it's your mouth, people. Put whatever you want in it, right? I don't judge at anything. I don't judge when it comes to food. I don't judge when it comes to booze. I don't judge on what you're putting in your mouth in your bedroom. It's your business. But I couldn't be I couldn't be vegetarian. I couldn't do it. I, I just I couldn't. No, I couldn't do it either. Yeah, I mean, I can't. if my if my life is going to be shorter as a result, then my life is just going to be shorter. It's, just it's quality. <laughs> it's quality, not quantity. Yeah. All right. So listen, we got to touch base on this because otherwise, they're never going to forgive us, right? So you know, we have this connoisseur club, which has been a very fun, a little hectic of a project for us, but. Everybody who's a member is a huge fan. It's a great experience-driven club where we ask these manufacturers to blend cigars specifically just exclusively for our club, and they get to smoke them without knowing who made them and don't find out till 30 days later. So in, in, in epic Steve Saka fashion, you decided to play a little trickery on our Connoisseur Club members. Uh, you had two months uh, this year, and, and you are participating again next year. Yeah. Um, you had two months this year, and... You basically provided the same blend in a different looking cigar. Same shape, same size. One had a semi-closed foot. The other one I put on a pigtail on it. And we made all the cigars. The, the, the Connoisseur Club that I participated in, they were separated by about three months or four months, Alex, right? Yeah. Um, but the cigars themselves were made exactly at the same time from the exact same tobacco sort by the exact same pair. The only difference was the little finishing detail that they put on it because I was trying to disguise the fact that they were two different cigars. Now, in, 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 a, in a way that you can only bring out of our customers like you did when, when Brulee came out, um, there are people out there that are claiming and, and arguing that there's no way that these two cigars are the same cigar. Of course, because that's the way it always is. And my point is that I don't think Look, everybody that smokes thinks they have a great palate. Sorry, people, you don't. You just don't. Okay. <laughs> I learned this from the I learned this from the STFU pack the, the year before. I mean, I had no sweet, single sweet, double sweet in the pack, five cigars, side by side, identical blend. Less than twenty five percent of the audience got that right. They can't even tell the difference between whether they're sugar or not sugar. So. For for them, I, and that was the thing that was really interesting was because I know the first Connoisseur Club cigar was like the number one rated cigar of the month, and then I think one of the highest rated cigars for the year, one of the highest for the rated, and then the second time I did it, 
it did not fare as well, but it was absolutely the same identical cigar. And that, and that tells me if you're someone that's in the club, you need to go back to your notes and see how similar the notes are. And if the notes aren't similar, now you may have not liked the second one as much because of the moment, what you smoked it with. And also what else is in that month's pack also determines the ranking. Right. And, but your tasting notes should be identical. If they're not identical, then yeah. Stop talking to me about pencil lead and potato chips and I get this kind of finish. You don't know Jack. I think that's one of the beauties of the club, though, is breaking down the barriers of what we think we know and don't know when we smoke a cigar. And I think a lot of people have learned that um, through the process because that's what it is. It's just a process. Um, They like to turn it around because they're rating me. Well, let me rate them. You know, it was kind of part of it, too, you know, because you put these cigars in this pack and Nobody knows what they are, and they're blind, so everybody's, like, judging you. Well, now this is a way for me to judge them, too. Were you good? Did you hate it the first time and hated it the second time? Good. You loved it the first time? You loved it the second time? Good. But, man, if you had mixed, I don't know, man. I'd start to ask yourself. No, and that's one of the fun things about this club is is seeing barriers like that and how they change and how it affects us. And like you said, Steve, there are many factors that affect – the cigar, the fact that this one sat for four or five months. Right. This one got an extra, this one had an extra, what, roughly three months of age. More even. And then, and then what they had that day, what they ate before the other cigars are in the pack. I mean, there are a lot of variables, but it just shows you how our perceptions are when we're smoking cigars. I also think because of the way consumers smoke today, they don't, they tend to play the field much more. It's very rare. Whereas, before guys would get like locked into one, two, maybe three blends, and they would become really intimately familiar with how those products yep. tasted. And now when you're smoking tons of different cigars all the time, you might be smoking three cigars a day, but if you aren't smoking the same cigar every day, it's really hard for you to really dial in on what something actually truly tastes like 100%. 1,000%. I agree with you. So – this is the first time we've had you on the show. And I know I did, I, I know I did um, a couple, a special show with you on developing palettes regarding the PCA in 2020 of uh, the PCA of 2021, excuse me. Um, is there any, you know, with the current climate, everything going on, um, do you see maybe things normalizing in 2022 for a show? Because everybody's having delivery issues. You know, we like I, I, you and I have talked personally. I said, I literally, I couldn't have picked the worst moment in time over the past three decades to say, hey, let's go open up a warehouse and put all these big orders in with manufacturers because manufacturers are caring less about fulfilling these orders because every one of our warehouse orders is probably depriving 40, 50, 60 of their other customers of product. So, And that, and therein lies the problem. It's not that they don't care. It's just they don't have enough. So they're just trying to figure out how do I carve up this cow to make as many of my customers happy and satisfied. It's tough right now. I mean, very, it's, it's, it's very few people are getting what they're ordering in the quantities that they want. Do you see it normalizing before next year's show? I actually have a different perspective. I, I actually think it's going to get, I think the shortages that we're feeling today, I feel cigar wise, I think there's going to be a glut of cigars before the next show. I think the manufacturers are overproducing. Now, I I think they're looking at their back orders and they're building to these back orders. And the thing about back orders is they're never true. Retailers 
have the habit of if they really need five boxes of something, they order 15, knowing that we're not going to send them all 15. So how much do they think? So they'll put their order to think of what their cut might be. So I think there's a lot of people making cigars to fictitious numbers. Not even that, but also by the time it gets here, either the retailer doesn't want them anymore, they can't afford them, they don't have the cash flow. There's a lot of things that that affect when you have such long-term production times. Absolutely. And the other thing is, I think what isn't going to go away is the packaging problems. The packaging problems are far... It's all the other bits and bobbles, the the bands, the boxes, the clasps for the boxes... Even just the goma we need to make the glue to mount the heads is becoming a problem. It's all the little things that we need because, you know, I was I was actually having this conversation with my staff the other day. A box of Sober Mesa, I have to deal with 17 independent different vendors in order to make one box of Sober Mesa, right? And that's how many I deal with. Well, the guy that prints the band, he deals with at least four or five in order to just make the band. So when you start to think about how interconnected everything is, in order to get a box of cigars, there's probably the labor of maybe as many as 30 or 40 different companies somehow involved in that. You know, hey, the guy that, you know, the guy that's using the stripping machine in the factory, when that machine breaks, you can't get the part, you can't get the machinist, you can't do this, you can't do that. So this interconnectivity of the way things work and the global economy going to the just-in-time model that it has been over the last couple decades, it's just totally cluster muck everything up now that business is starting to happen again. And uh, it's tough. It's it's a problem. And I think, I think the average consumer, I know us that make things started feeling it like at the beginning of the year. I think now people who are buying things, they're now starting to see these shortages on their shelves on all sorts of stuff. And I don't see that scenario getting better in the near term. It could go another 12, 18 months. But cigar-wise, I think we're going to get ahead of the cigar curve. I think we're maybe going to get too ahead of the cigar curve. Alan Rubin. I don't think the bubble bursts until 2020. Alan Rubin with his, with his prediction, 2023. Where do you come up with 2023? Oh, Alan just wants to have an opinion on everything. Yeah, and, I, and, and the funny part is – and. I think Alan needs to talk to his own people because I think they already see where the numbers are at their place. I think uh, look, the, the the big box guys feel the shifts first and then the next tier guys, you know, kind of like where you're at, it's smoke in and Corona and those guys, you then feel it. The brick and mortar guys, the last guy to feel it and the manufacturers, it hits them like a brick wall. Because most manufacturers are just too stupid to even think about it. But the reality is, if we imported 60 million more cigars in Q1 than we did the previous Q1, that's too many cigars. It's all going to catch up. Now, is it going to be a bubble like it was at the end of the boom and we're going to have an utter collapse? No. I don't think we're going to have an utter collapse like we did at the end of 98. But it's definitely... uh, the, the the these it can't stay at the level that it's currently at. I, I don't believe the numbers. I really don't. People, there's only so many cigar smokers, and they can only smoke so many cigars. Just sure. simple, right? I mean, I, I think it's time. I think it's a, if I know that if I were a retailer, I would be very 
I'd be very inventory focused and just be really smart right now. Because when there ends up being a large glut, the manufacturers are going to have to find a way to cash recover. And that seldom works to the advantage of the average retailer. There's a question that was put up by, uh, somebody had a question, Stephen Beck. Question for Steve Saka. As a manufacturer and brand, do you smoke pretty much all your own stuff or do you branch out? Um, I, well, I, I smoke about 10 cigars a day and 90 plus percent is my own stuff. Look, I make the best cigars in the world. Why would I smoke anything different, right? I mean, I, and I think most manufacturers feel that way. I mean, and I'm making these blends for me. So I have enough diversity in my line that it covers most of my needs. But at the same time, I make a point on most days of smoking at least one other cigar from one other factory, one other brand owner. And I typically make it my second cigar of the day in the morning. Um, I want my palate to still be fresh so I can appreciate it and really think about it. But I don't want it to be my first cigar because I want my first cigar to be guaranteed good. I don't want to start my day on a bad one. And, and look, sometimes that second cigar of the day, I might only smoke a half an inch and just decide this piece of shit isn't for me. <laughs> and other ones, I'll, I'll smoke the whole thing. But I, I try every day. And, and it's not so much from a perspective of competition because I don't really care about what other people make. Um, I think everybody, I think there's a cigar for everyone. It's more just my cigar geekdom. I'm just, I'm just curious. I wanna, I wanna know what the new X Y Z tastes like too. I have a few though that are kind of like legacy things that I'll drift back to and occasionally smoke. Like I'll still occasionally smoke a Padron Anniversary. I'll still occasionally smoke a, a Tatuaje Black. I will still smoke. A, I really like the Papine makes a a blue banded one that comes kind of in a Cervante, uh, a Lonsdale kind of format, yeah. you know? Um, so uh, if I want something really like, if I want a Cameroon cigar, I, I still smoke a Fuente Don Carlos or occasionally a signature. I mean, these are boxes that I keep in my humidor all the time. Um, and I occasionally dip to, and same thing with Habanos. I probably in an average week smoke two, maybe, yeah, probably two Cuban cigars a week. About how many I probably smoke now. So you have um, a small palette of cigars the Steve Stock of the consumer enjoys. Right. I mean, there's I have I have I have I have about 20 things that are just kind of like I want them around all the time and I smoke from them. But every but every day I try to smoke something different, something unique. And a lot of times it's something that either uh, another cigar smoker recommended I should try, or you know, when I go into a retail shop, I always ask the retailer, what's your favorite? What is something in here you think is interesting? What is something you think I ought to try? And I, you know, I, I, I tend to, I tend to like that. And I also, I'm always really interested in smoking cigars from consumers that they consider to be their favorite. I'm always curious about why, what, what do they find in that cigar that makes it their favorite? So I, that, that's, that's something that I like to try. Um, so yeah, I mix it up, but most of what I smoke is my stuff because it's just better. Do you have a schedule every day with what, which one of your cigars you smoke? No, no, it's not that. Uh, no, it's not. It's not that way at all. It's just kind of. Sometimes it's me lazy. I get to my desk. Oh, those are the three that are on the desk. That's what I start <laughs> with. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> here's the thing. I've smoked 
over a hundred thousand cigars in my lifetime. Wow, a hundred thousand. That's crazy. Yeah, she's done the math. And so it's very rare that I smoke something and I get like a boner from it. You know what I mean? I'm I'm kind of beyond the oh my god, this is the most amazing thing ever made. I I, I have a new love. You know what I mean? That that rarely happens. Boners are just a rarity at our age, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, but but I but I do have a very very distinct understanding of what I think is good and what I think is bad. I, I have a, I have a very 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 specific profile that I know, and um, and as a result, I mean that's part of what Dunbarton's founded on. When you buy one of my cigars you're getting something that I personally would buy that I would smoke. I don't just put stuff in boxes because I think it'll sell. It has to be something that I would actually be willing to spend the money to buy myself. And if I'm not willing to spend the money myself and think it's really good, how can I ask a consumer to buy that product and give it a fair shake? So I think that's the way anybody who, who cares about what they do. I mean, that's our attitude with every micro blend we produce. Yeah, but you know, it, most companies it's something that we really like and enjoy and we want to smoke and we yeah, it is awesome. I think where things get really different is like in my case, nobody has any input on the blends at all. So like no one gets to taste the samples I'm making. Nobody in my office gets an opinion, nobody at the factory gets an opinion. They can have an opinion, but I just don't care what their opinion is. <laughs> it does uh, come in the life. end, in the end, I'm gonna be the one that wins or loses depending on what happens on the product so you have and, the answer to it right so you know when when Stillwell fails that's entirely my fault you know what i mean that that's just the way it is and uh and it's part of too because most companies most everybody they kind of solicit a lot of opinions and but the problem with asking for opinions is everybody has one and everybody's opinion is 100 percent right for them you know what I mean? And you can never make any individual cigar that's going to satisfy everybody. And I, look, I don't think that my Miki Rita Tricky Chaka guys are also Sober Mesa Brulee box buyers. Those are like just two totally separate smoking experiences, right. different dudes. You know what I mean? So you can't make something to make everyone happy. So I don't. I only make stuff that makes me happy. And then consumers get to decide whether it's worth the the ticket price to ride, you know? But you, but you know, Steve, I believe that's a philosophy that works because that's how I thought of it, right? I can't make a micro blend based on what I think any consumer base would like because there's so many different variables on how many, what different people like. So our belief was, is that we're just going to make something we think is good and worthy and what we like. And those consumers who have similar palates will just end up being the fans of what we produce and what we like and what we put out. And it's held true now for what, 2010, yeah, 11 and years. And I think that's also part of the, look, we've been enjoying tremendous success as a young company, probably, probably a lot more than we may even deserve. Um, but I think it is because the people that find my cigars and they start smoking them, they tend to find a lot in the brand portfolio that they really enjoy. And because there's enough diversity in there, I can cover a lot of different moods and desires. You know what I mean? I, one of the things that's really important to me is to always, when I make something new, 
I want it to be distinctly different enough that I'm not selling them the same good cigar over and over again, just slightly tweaked. But there's certain brands that before the cigar even comes out, I can already tell you what it tastes like because that's what that factory makes. You know what I mean? And that isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it also limits you to only a certain customer. And, uh, and I want to try to make something that I don't expect to make anything that's going to make everyone happy, but I'm hoping that somewhere within the mix, there's something there they can identify with and say, Oh yeah, that one, that one's a really good cigar for me. I really enjoy smoking those. I yeah, but I think, I think with your cigars too, like there's, I don't know, there's an expectation for at least uh, the, not, not necessarily the flavor profiles, but at least like what, what I'm going to get when I, when I smoke a cigar, I tend to lean towards the same compromiso, but you know, I, I don't, but Alex and I were talking about this when we were on our road trip, cause we tried a cigar that's big, hot and heavy. Everybody wants it, this type of thing. And it just, a hundred percent was not for me. It was like a pepper bomb and it's just, it's just not my, not my profile. So I lean towards your cigars because I, because I don't get that heavy pepper bomb from them that I know a lot of people love, but I don't like, Again, I, I mean, other than the chicken. Uh, goes back to the chest thing. I don't, I occasionally enjoy a pepper bomb, but I smoke them infrequently, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, look, I'm hoping that Krakatoa turns out to be a pepper bomb um, when it launches. It's a little scary because it's been aging so long. So I worry that worries me a little bit. But I mean, ultimately, I think that most people, even people that like really strong, full flavored cigars, which I am typically that guy, I still want them to be smooth. Yes, you know that's I mean? exactly how I, I feel. Yes. I don't want them to bite you. I don't want them to fight you. I don't want you to I don't want them to make you uncomfortable to smoke them. I think that there's a way that you could have strength and richness without and even nicotine without actually making a biting cigar. I don't I don't like cigars that make my throat scratchy. I don't like cigars that burn my sinus passages. I uh, so um, and I often compare it to like chocolate. I mean Think about how much richer a Godiva chocolate is compared to a Hershey's Kiss. They're both chocolate. I wouldn't consider one stronger per se than the other, but there's a depth of flavor and richness that you get out of the one versus the other. So I always kind of tend towards that, not trying to say, oh, I make Tabasco, so let me make ghost pepper, right? That's just not for me, you know, it's uh just, it's just not what I make. And so, and look, it's easy, too, because I'm a small company, so I have the luxury of not having to worry about selling 40 million cigars a year. So it lets you also be a little bit more selective in what you do. Right. You don't have the financial pressure that, oh, my God, I got to deliver so much. Evan Darnell with his input. Hungry. <laughs> He graced us with his presence last night. He got parole. He did. He told me he was coming. Yeah, I saw. It was a short stay. Of, it was a short stay, but he's he made, he made. I think he made an appearance twice. Once in the morning, I missed him, and once in the evening. His wife gave him a curfew, probably. Hey man, if, listen, Evan's good with me right now. Shout out to Evan. He 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 blessed me with two tickets to a boxing match they had in Delray. I was there with him, his kids, Ooh. my kid. We had fun. So shout out to Evan. Oh, you saw T Bone. Yeah. So, 
Uh, if you're watching and you're local and you missed Steve here at Smoke In last night and you're not outside, you're going to catch him on the way out. Steve is doing uh, an event up in Fort Pierce somewhere. I'm sure if you go to his Facebook page or whatever, you find out where it's at, somewhere up in Fort Pierce. Um, so you can actually head up there and hopefully uh, get your moment with uh, the love muffin, as my wife adores them. <laughs> the love muffin. Woohoo! <laughs> Alaskan pride. Oh, 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 Devin's wife was in New York City. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. That's how he got out. Ah, there you go. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he won't get ratted out. <laughs> yeah, she, I'm sure she doesn't watch. Right. No, last I heard, there was someone in the socialite group who who, who knows his wife. There's a mole. There's a mole. Mm. There's a mole. Not cool. That's group. not cool. That's not socialite love. I That's try to keep cool. moles. If whenever I see a, a wife pop up, I, I I tend to send the husband a message. Hey, uh, you know, your wife's infiltrating. Do I let her in or not? <laughs> True story. <laughs> We've done that a couple times. <laughs> well, if my wife joins. Don't oh, your her. wife's in. Your wife's, your wife's automatic. Yeah, I'm Actually, I think we invited her. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the whole concept that you're going to keep anything secret on social media is an oxymoron. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, listen, it's that time. Uh, our man is on deck. Uh, let's uh, see what's going on this week with our buddy. It's time for the Scoop with Coop. Hey, yo, what's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. What's up, Coop? Hey, good morning. Good morning. I, I got I got I gotta address socialite Matt Matt Hartzell real quick. He wanted to know why he didn't get that warning, Matt, because we actually like your wife better. <laughs> just just to let you know. She's way yeah. she's way cooler than you, so she is. She is. Coop, what is the scoop, my man? All right. Well, start it off. Um, one of the bigger stories this week is the Mirafell family is launching their own cigar brand. So, shocker. To... <laughs> yeah, I gotta say that was not a shocker to me. Um, shocker. Yep, but uh, you know, if you've, the Mirafells there, the producers of, uh, or the brokers, I should say, of um, a lot of the uh, Cameroon tobacco in the world, and um, they, they, you know, they for the past year they've been kind of promoting the Mirafell name on the, on the, you know, with Cameroon. So th- it wasn't a big surprise right now. So. There aren't a lot of details as far as what their launching goes, other than they're launching a company and that they've named a gentleman by the name of Reinhard Poherick uh, as the vice president of sales. And Reinhard uh, is a guy out of Austria. He's a media guy. Actually, he hosts a show called Light Him Up Lounge. And Abe, he was the guy who was coordinating the whole 24-hour Fuente show last year. Oh, yeah. I know Reinhard. Yep. 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 So, um I guess we're going to uh, – it's going to be a little more wait and see as far as what they're actually going to bring to the table as far as cigars go. But Would it would be a safe a, assumption be Fuente's making the cigar? Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's my assumption too. I mean, who else? Just love it. it. Can't get enough Fuente cigars, but let's start making other cigars. Very interesting, yep. Um but the, is that all the news you got? There's nothing no, else. I got I got more. I got more. Right. No, oh, is yeah. that all the news on this regard? Is that it? Yeah, and, that's it. That's all that we know that well, they've announced the brand. So that's a teaser at best. No, they've announced they're getting. I mean, it's not a teaser. They announced they're getting into the uh, cigar. The, you know, back into a cigar brand. 
when, you get, when you get a snippet of a story like that, do you ever call the person and try to press out more information out of them? Actually, I had a press to get this story. <laughs> so, really? Yeah, yeah, because I wasn't, you know, it was a press release that somehow didn't make it to my desk. So this is one. Shocker. No, it's unbelievable. I, I see press releases that I sent to one or two people in the press sometimes. So there's certain stories I have to decide which are worth chasing down. This is one that was worth chasing down in my book. I think it's going to have, you know, I think this is this is something that could have an international um, impact. So, yeah, but I couldn't get more out of it. I wonder if it's only going to be an international or European cigar. I mean, they got a vice president that's in Austria. Yeah. You know, it's going to be made here. It's very interesting. I think it's going to be very interesting, too. And the other thing is that the Mirafels handle Fuente's distribution in Europe, too. So I think that's something mm-hmm. to keep in mind. Yeah. So whether whether or not we're going to – I don't know if we're going to see this uh, anytime soon. It will be interesting to see. All right. What else you got, Coop? All right. Hey, Paul, do you have that picture? Did you get the link I just sent you? Or no. but, that uh, would be I, a no. That would be a no. <laughs> that face would be a no. He's he's on mute. And but he's I'll, muted. Okay. Let me let me start talking names. So uh this week there was a cigar announced from CAO. Um it's a limited edition line uh called the sixty. And you can guess it's a six uh, it's a sixty ring gauge cigar. What a creative team effort on that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and the name of the cigar is actually the CAO sixty torque, as in engine torque. Is it a flathead uh, series or no, oh, it's a yeah. It's, got a sixty-inch flathead. Yeah, here it is. It's an eight by sixty cigar. All right, and it's going to come in an oil can. So, if you want an oil can, uh, that retro oil can look, uh, and you'll get eight huh. eight by sixty cigars in there. Uh, go at it. I'm How do really you get hoping. the cigars out? Do you have to unscrew I, I, I the top? Say, I'm hoping that whole lid comes off. I, I think, think so. Yeah, I think the whole lid would come off too. Yes. So Paul, I think the little cap is for decorative. If you get the cigars out of those little holes, I'll have to shake it. Um, yeah, I was wondering how the supply chain – maybe it was the supply chain problem so bad that they just reached out with oil cans <laughs> or something. I don't know. They could, they could put that can right on display next to the chop suey. Yes. Yeah, right. But yeah, there was a, yeah, the bento box was a couple weeks ago, actually, uh, by Punch. I think we talked about that. All right. Um. Yeah, so that that's uh, that cigar should be coming this month. Right now, each uh, uh, each oil can will sell for a hundred dollars. Uh, each cigar will sell for twelve fifty right now. Uh, if you're interested in the blend, it's a uh, Honduran Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan Habano wrapper over Nicaraguan and Honduran tobacco. Interesting. Yep. Very interesting. Yep. Uh, now, now, if they were really cool, they would have sent everybody a wire rack display, like you used to get the motor oils, like on when you go to the gas stations back in the day, like they had all the little motor oils on the wire yeah. rack display. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, that would have been really like ingenious because there's no way you're stacking those cans anywhere. Exactly. No. Exactly. Uh, we actually had a whole talk on this, Abe. On Aaron and I were talking about this on Thursday night about like, like these are really cool for the consumers, but it's got to be a nightmare for the retailers when these come in. Always. Yeah. Yeah. We were actually talking about that. Always. Yeah. What else is going on, Coop? Um, we have three now shippings this week that have happened. Um, so the first one is, um, and these are either ship in the process of shipping or have shipped and started to arrive. Uh, the first is that the uh, Drew Estate has shipped the Undercrown Dojo Dogma releases, which is the Maduro and the Sungrown. So those should be arriving soon, and I believe you guys are having a big launch event on next Thursday on that. Yes, we um, we already have the Mad Dog, the original Maduro. We released that I think it was two or three weeks ago, Alex. Yes, um, 
and that's already in stock. And the Sundog, the 2021 Sundogs are here. We have an epic event starting on noon Wednesday with Thursday. Thursday, thank you. Noon Eastern Daylight Time on Thursday. They got a whole bunch of special swags with the purchase, and they got this gong they're giving away at the end. And I think we got some art and humidor. There'll be some raffle prizes. After the after the sales of all day from noon, we'll have a live virtual event with the folks from Dojo and Drew Estate at 7 p.m. at night, Eastern Daylight Time. And then at the end of that live broadcast, we'll do a live drawing for all the raffle items. So it should be a fun day next Thursday. There you go. Yep. Uh, and then if you're a Tatawahe fan, uh, the Tatawahe, the Frank Redo, Redux, Redo, whatever you want to say, uh, the Tatawahe Franks are in the process of heading to the stores as well. Uh, this year they didn't do an unlucky 13, so they've kind of spread it a, a bunch across a bunch of retailers. And um, from what I'm hearing, retailers aren't going to be getting a lot of these coffins or boxes. It's it's so it's going to be spread more thinner, from what I understand. Well, you know, I think the model of the unlucky 13 has done its tour of duty. I and, agree, and I agree. Yeah, I, I think that was a cool model the first couple of years. I think it was mostly a pain in the ass after that for not only Pete but retailers across the country. Of course. I, think, I think spreading around the boxes is not a bad idea. I when agree. You, you get, you sell out, you move them. We sold out in one afternoon and it was gone. So, yeah, um, and I think that's going to be the model going forward with this, too. He did the same thing with the Jekylls last year. Well, not the Jekylls, the uh, Carlos. I also like that they're all dress boxes. The dress boxes, yes, dress absolutely. Boxes, another pain in the ass. Much easier. You know? yeah. So, I think this model works. I hope he yeah. sticks with it and moves forward yeah. with it. Don't tell me that's all the news you got, Coop. I got, I got one more thing. So another thing is shipped this week, and uh, I want to make a commentary on this one. Uh, Ferry Ortega shipped the Elegancia and Generoso limited editions. Now, I want to make a comment about that. Um, our friend Vincent Michael Benetti called me out on my Facebook page saying, I missed the boat on this. And you I want to make a very – Missed the boat how? Like talking I don't about know. news-wise? I don't know, but all I know is I reported this – August 25th that they were shipping the first week in October. And I have not got, and I say, I, I want clarification where I missed the boat. Now, did we put out a separate story this week on it? We didn't because in reality, we already put the story out there and nothing really changed. So unless a company really wants us to say it, um, you know, these now shipping things aren't a big deal for us because people tend not to click through the story in those. They say, okay, it's shipping. Yeah. Uh, the headline, the headline says it all. The headline says it all in this case. So, if a company's going to send us up, we'll put it out there. But I'm not going to go crazy writing a, a story that was put out in August on this. Well, you know our, you know our man Vince is a few fresh <sighs> short of happy meal. The most incapable arch nemesis in the history Seriously. of nemeses, and I got stuck with them. Yeah, he, you know, he's stop, a- stop, stop. Vince is the best. You guys are all fuckheads. Vince, you're the man. <laughs> I was, I was waiting for okay. Steve. Don't listen to a guy that's talking about cigars in a can. And the guy that fucking, he's like a glorified assistant. You be Vince. Ignore all the noise. Look, if you're going to call me out, though, I want an explanation why I'm being called out. Because uh, like I said, well, we, we, we got to do this on a national radio show. You can't do this yourself. You don't know how to use a DM. Yeah, we, we, we do three hours of broadcasting a day, seven days a week. You got plenty of time to bag on my man, Vince. No. Goop. I'm a, I'm with you, Vince. Power to the power to the Benetti. Ah, uh, here we go again. Team Saka is going to be strong on this one. Yeah. Power to the Benetti. 
Vince, <laughs> Vince is my Hall of Fame guy for asking the most rhetorical questions ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, is, but, this, but, is this but, the three o'clock drop? Yeah, is it, is it three? Like two thirty. <laughs> it's two o'clock. Right? <laughs> it's two thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Most rhetorical question yeah. there. Does that wrap up with the scoop? That that wraps up the scoop of coop this week. Brought to you by the man himself, William the Scoop Coop. Uh check out more stuff on cigar coop.com. Anything uh, cool and up and coming this uh, coming week? Um this week uh we have um we're getting into a lot of heavy reviews right now because we're getting like towards the deadline for Cigar of the Year. So you're going to see a lot of review stuff coming out on Coop over the next week. Um, so just stay tuned on that as, as we kind of get towards the end of the month. Cool. Interesting stuff. Yep. All right. Well, that being said, uh, it is time for one of my – which has become one of my favorite segments of the show, Tale of Tape. This is season three of Tale of Tape, week number two. Here we go. Tale of Tape Season 3. Top Mafia movies coming in at number 9 for me is Little Caesar. 1931 movie starring Edward G. Robinson. Tells the story of Rico, Edward G. Robinson, as he moves to Chicago. Works his way up to the uh, up the ma- Mafia ranks. And, of course, then his eventual downfall. Um, the film was basically the foundation of what gangster movies would become and what they are. It was probably one of the first, if not the first full fledged gangster movie and uh, made Edward G. Robinson a star. And it also is where that often imitated man, see, you'll never get me copper. See, um, comes from, go ahead. Coop. All right. Now my number nine is Scarface, uh, the 1983 version. Uh, that's the remake of a 1932, uh, version by the same name. Uh, directed by Brian De Palma, uh, written by Oliver Stone, starring Al Pacino. Al Pacino is probably the greatest mafia actor of our generation. There, tells Disagree. the story. Of Tony, yep, uh, one of the greats. I'll say one of the greats. Tells the story of Tony Montana, um, you know, coming over from Cuba and rising to the uh, becoming a powerful drug lord. Um, to me, this is a lot of the elements you look for in a in a mafia movie. You got, you know, you got your violence, what you need. You got your good uh, dose of profanity um, and just a really good story underlying the whole thing. So Scarface, number nine. There we go. I'm, I'm going to start out with a question on this because of the parameters. I'm not sure. Did, go, go ahead, Abe. I agree. Do cartel movies constitute mafia movies? I stuck to mafia. Because I don't, cons- my I, list. My exact I don't consider Scarface, in, in my opinion. A mafia movie. A mafia movie. I think, I think um, I one did. of the integral <laughs> components of a mafia movie are Italians. No, I disagree. I, I, think, I disagree. I disagree yeah. with that too. Like, La Cosa Nostra. I don't know. How, I don't there's know how no law in Cosa Nostra. A, I had no yeah. idea what the topic was, but when you announced it at the top of the show, I was trying to think of 
What are some mafia movies that I really like that people may not have watched? I don't think you can argue that Scarface is a mafia movie. Organized yeah, crime. How about Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels? That's about the British mafia, British gangs. I love that movie. I don't like British. There's, mob, there's, there's a difference between mob and mafia. Yes, there's yeah, a difference between mob and mafia. That's uh, a mob. Okay. Because I was thinking about like New Jack City, right? Or American Gangster. I love those both are gangster those movies. Yeah, you know, I, I, I just don't. I don't know what the rules they set were, but when you go, if you use the word mafia, mafia is a distinct form of mob. You don't. So that's where Mean Streets counts, is what right. you're saying. You don't call. Oh, the, uh, mean no, Streets no, is okay. more. Me and Coop talked about this in text. Actually, Mean you Streets. Don't. I don't think it's more of a hoodlum hood. New York, not so much a mafia story. Mean so Streets. what about Reservoir Dogs? Yes, mm. no. No. Those Miller's are Crossing. Those are robbers. Those are just thieves. Right. Miller's Crossing. What about Miller's Crossing? Miller's Crossing, yes, that had Italian mafia in it. Okay. So I guess if I had to pick like one, I look, it's going to be nine. It's going to be number one. I don't know because I'm not going to be back here. Donnie Brasco, I'm sure someone that's got to be in their top ten. That's a mafia movie. Absolutely, it's a great movie too. Yeah, I'm yeah, not sure. I really like Donnie Brasco. No one calls it the, the Cuban mafia. It's the Cuban mob. Well, the well mob. again, mafia is the word for organized crime, though. Now, if you want to say it should be Italian, then that's that's the only thing I could say. All right, the word, the word mafia is never used with any other group other than the Italian. Yeah, but we're in a we're in a time of cultural appropriation. Russian mafia? Russian mafia? Never. Hey, I grew up in Brooklyn. Russian mafia was was a part of the lexicon. I've always heard the Russian mob. I've always heard the Irish Yeah, I've heard Russian mob. Never used the word and never heard the word mafia used with any other organization. All right. right. While we're here, I'm going to move to a different topic and I want Coop to explain to me what redeeming quality that that Many Saints of Newark Sopranos movie. Well, first has. off, out of the five of us here, who has seen it? I I don't even know what we're talking about. Sopr- so. There's new Sopranos movie. So Two-hour prequel Sopranos movie that released on HBO yeah. last Paul, week. You- oh, really? Yeah. Paul, you're the Italian scallion. How have you not seen this? That's why I call him scallion. I, I tried to, I the, aristoc- the aristocrat doesn't have HBO Max. Because I doesn't have any- it's an online subscription, Paul. Well, listen, I had it, and then I had to cancel it because I you moved from my home, it. and now I'm in, lim- I'm in limbo. I'm in limbo. You can watch it on your iPad. No, you watch no your- I get it for free. Right. I get HBO Max for free because I have AT&T TV and I have AT&T cell phone. <laughs> so when I, can't, when I had to turn off my TV service, they cut me off. And I'm not a moocher that's going to start texting every. Actually, I texted about five people. None of them have HBO, which is so. <laughs> you weird. said you tried to log in here. You're, you're, I, I did. I tried to log in. I have them using my parents' cable here. We have basic cable. I think there's ten channels. There's not one kids' network here. So yeah. So I have not seen it. I, it's killing me that I haven't seen it though. So Coop, why did you like that movie? Well, I'm a sucker. Why for did you? Like- <laughs> I'm a sucker for anything in in the late 1960s, early 1970s. They did a fantastic job, in my opinion, uh, with the whole Newark Rates Riot story, which I think was really good. Now, you weren't going to get the depth that you got on The Sopranos in a two-hour movie. My expectations were there. Um, I loved the character of Dickie Moltisante. I loved the character of uh, Ray Liotta playing his father and his uncle. And um, I thought the uh, woman who played uh, Livia was fantastic. I did not think Michael Gandolfini was very good. 
He had some good body language, but his acting was was not great. I'll admit that. But I thought the story was good, and I thought they kind of integrated some things back to The Sopranos, like shooting into the beehive hairdo. Um, Best scene of the movie. But it was. It was a good scene. The carnival, the whole carnival thing was kind of recreated in there as well. Um, I, I really liked it. I thought... I thought it, it did very good justice to the show. I did not like the Silvio character either. He was way over the top, in my opinion. Uh, oh, I thought he was epic. Listen, the Silvio the- character is an over-the-top character. Let's be real. Every mannerism and movement of, of, of Stephen Van Zandt was an yeah. over-the-top movement. Yeah. And I think he captured that. You can't, you can't reenact that role without being over-the-top. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, without seeing it. I mean, listen, here's a couple of my issues. Number, you know, uh, there was no real storyline except that, let, let's fill in a couple things and kind of make it. Um, I think the Newark race riots were totally unnecessary. I just think that feel like. Oh, that was- no. Oh, I disagree. You're, that's how they all went to like the suburbs in the Sopranos. That kind of gave the whole runway for that. Yeah, but that. If you had to ask me what was the main plot of the movie, it would have been that. That was the main plot of the movie. That took up most of the time of the movie. For to, I, I looked at it. They did the back. That was the backdrop for the other story happening. This this new race riot thing was going on. So I, I have I one question: very, Should I yeah. go out of my way to watch this, or should okay, I not? So I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. See, don't absolutely, bother. Absolutely Hold should. On. Don't we bother. Got one, don't bother. We got one. You must. What and wait. And I need to make my one last point. And it did not feel like The Sopranos at all. Well, it's not. Well, it's not. Mom, it is. It's. It didn't no, even. It didn't have the feel. It didn't have. No. no. Prequels aren't supposed to be. But yes, they are. I mean, Godfather Two um, felt like The Godfather. Were you a Sopranos fan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You will. You will find it entertaining. Don't bother. Okay. Find it entertaining. I, I found it. I found it enjoyable, entertaining. Was it a great prequel storyline storyboard? No. Is there but, a duck in it? Because if there isn't a duck in it, I may be disappointed. Not <laughs> one. Not one duck. No. Um, but, there's, a but bird. there's a bird. There's a bird. It, it was, there is a bird. There is a bird. It was good to see some of your favorite characters reenact and revitalize in their younger form. Some of those actors got those little moves down pat, like just the slightest things I watched, like the kid who played Polly Walnuts with the little pinky when he would talk. His pinky. Yeah. I mean, the slightest little mannerisms. Um, the woman who played Tony's mother. Holy she shit! Holy shit! She I mean, started. Yeah, she was great. I mean, every little mannerism. So to watch some of the, look, I got to believe one hard thing as an actor, right? Because as an actor, you have that liberty to find your interpretation of a character that you create and you personally bring out. And then to see another actor say, hey, you need to take that interpretation and reenact it in its younger form. I got to believe that's got to be one of the hardest things for an actor to do because they don't have their freedom to be that role. Create a character. Right? They got to follow somebody else's interpretation of how they did something. And I'm telling you, everybody, everybody who reenacted a character um, was spot on in my book. Spot on. Hey, they're, they're really kind of impersonators, right? That they become impersonators. It, it was really spot on, and it was it was kind of fun to watch. Um, Ray Liotta as a twin uncles was, was kind of threw me off. When he goes to jail, he sees it. Because they never even let you know he's a twin. All of a sudden, he's got a twin in jail. It's like, what? Yeah. You know? um, but- he was great as the father because that was a kind of a different side of Ray Liotta we hadn't seen before. No, it, it was enjoyable. You'll you'll enjoy it. I mean, do I tell everybody to go run out, run it? It's a must see thing. No, if you weren't a garbage, 
<laughs> you garbage. Wow, complete garbage, huh? Whoa. Garbage. Listen, I, Quinton has a lot of opinions today, but I don't know if I can trust the opinion of a guy that doesn't pay his debts. Oh, let me tell you what is a great movie, though, that just came out recently that I watched. Uh, there is a movie called Lansky starring Harvey Keitel. Coop, you would Harvey. like this. Have you watched it as yep. an old I Harvey have. Keitel? Yep. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah, great. This is an old Meyer Lansky telling his story while I, he's in Miami. I watched that on a plane to Vegas oh, uh, wow. when we went to the trade show. Great movie. I'll tell you what was a strange movie that I Have you watched the Capone movie? With yeah. Tom Hardy, that was just kind of like strange. It was a no, strange, like that. old delusional Al Capone as he was dying. But uh, Lansky, great, great movie to watch. Yeah, I well, heard Lansky's I good. That. I got to see that one. Yeah, it was a good one. No, Lansky was good. I really, really enjoyed it. Very well. Wow, done. wow, Alan Rubin, Sopranos. Yeah, that, oh, TV yeah. show. Now your opinion's out the out the window, man. This we, is the same yeah. Alan Rubin that takes pride in saying, I've never watched the Godfather movie because I've Alan, read the book. Alan, <laughs> Alan Rubin is just a born antagonist. He really is. But he's not That's even a good really one. <laughs> Vincent Michael Benetti is a better antagonist than Alan Rubin. Sopranos <laughs> is an overrated show. Well... Do you guys you actually have like viewers and like listeners that actually I don't listen think so. to this every I don't week? think we have viewers or listeners. Who knows? Uh, we had almost about 80 people on all Yeah, and we got about 15, 20 sitting out, out front watching. Yeah. Thank God for them. Otherwise, yeah, they all feel like they're <laughs> every one of them. Oh, man, this was, makes it fun. Listen, we hope. Thank you for joining us, Steve. I know you had a busy uh, schedule. I know you're on last night. You got up early. You probably could have yeah. used a few extra hours of sleep. Coop, as always, thank you for your contribution. Thank you. And thanks to all our fans and uh, loyal listeners out there. We hope we entertained you for a few hours on another Saturday morning. As I like to say, it is the best way to start your Saturday. Um, two things next week. There will be not a new commercial from Ball de Croco um, for uh, Bonner Wines. And uh, we will have a best of because I will be in Chicago uh, next week. So um, we will see you all Chicago. back. Chicago. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, see? Never get me seen. Um, we will see you back in two weeks, but also I wanted to share uh, with everybody that we have been talking with Martin Cove, and I think Martin Cove is going to come on KMA, a hardcore cigar guy. He'll be coming on. Do you, you know who Martin Cove is? Are you looking oh. down at me? I feel like he was looking down at me. Oh, look at everybody. You know who Martin <laughs> Cove is? Oh, yeah. No, no. no I don't. Karate, Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Kid. Cobra Kai. Yeah. The, the, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, did. I do know who he is. Yeah, the bad sensei. So I think we're going to have him on KMA. So Tagging and Lacey, too. Is this a Vinny special? It's a Vinny special. Oh, oh Vinny, once in a while, once in a yes, while. It's a Vinny special. So uh, we'll be having him hopefully on KMA very, yeah. very soon. And that's going to be a very fun interview because I grew up watching The Karate Kid and I actually love Cobra Kai. So uh, it'll be fun. Uh, and, uh, until two weeks, everybody, have a great weekend and keep it lit.